Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Monday, April 17th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The ethanol industry says proposed pipelines to capture and store carbon dioxide emissions are essential. But some environmentalists and researchers question the climate benefits. There are tried and true ways to solve our climate crisis that are better uses of our public tax dollars than this questionable technology. Coming up, we will report on whether CO2 pipelines are critical to fighting climate change or just a boon for industry. The National Weather Service has confirmed at least eight tornadoes touched down in the St. Louis Public Radio listening area over the weekend. Crews spent yesterday surveying the damage from severe storms that rolled through Saturday night. The strongest was an EF2 tornado touching down in the rural area north of Rolla, damaging the region's airport. There were seven tornadoes in the St. Louis area, all of them EF1s or weaker. They hit near Fenton, Peavley, and Hillsboro in Missouri, Waterloo, Valmire, Swansea, and Belleville in the Metro East. The tornado south of Waterloo stayed on the ground for nearly 20 miles. The Weather Service says no one was seriously injured. The St. Louis Board of Aldermen meets today for the last time as a body of 28. Members are expected to approve legislation guaranteeing tenants facing eviction have an attorney during the process. They also plan to approve nearly $10 million for sidewalks and other street and transportation projects. Today also marks the final meeting for 16 incumbent aldermen. Nine decided not to run again and seven lost in either the March primary or this month's general election. The board's first session as a body of 14 is tomorrow. St. Louis County police are using artificial intelligence to reduce 911 wait times. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. Dispatchers at the county's communication center handle about 2,000 calls a day. Roughly half are 911 calls. The rest are non-emergency issues, like how to get a police report. But dispatchers don't get to choose what kind of calls they answer, says Brian Battles. He's a communications administrative specialist. You could answer a non-emergency call because you were next up and there was no 911s pending. And within 10 seconds, there's now a 911 call pending and you're locked into a five-minute conversation. Anyone who dials 911 will still get a live person, but someone who calls the non-emergency line will be prompted to... Please state the nature of your call. The department began using the system in March. Battles says it has reduced non-emergency call volume by about 60 percent. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office is down another key prosecutor. Natalia Ogurkowitz resigned Friday after spending nearly three years with the office, citing little support and a heavy workload. She says in her resignation statement to Kim Gardner that the political position being taken at this point involves throwing staff attorneys under the bus. The Circuit Attorney's Office says it does not comment on personnel matters. Ogurkowitz handled homicide trials. KSTK reports there are now three prosecutors to manage hundreds of violent cases for the circuit attorney's office. Her departure comes as Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey is mounting a legal fight to remove Gardner from office. A hearing in that case is set for tomorrow. A Missouri hospital is suing the state over gender-affirming care records requests. The Kansas City Star reports Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City cites burdensome requests from Attorney General Andrew Bailey's office. The lawsuit asks a judge to deny nearly 55 record demands and testimony 
even though the hospital is not accused of anything illegal. The lawsuit alleges Bailey's office is seeking records on prescriptions for hormone blockers and surgeries for transgender patients. The attorney general's office did not immediately return a request for comment. It has been investigating some health care providers in the state after an employee at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital in February claimed the facility was treating children without proper consent. The Biden administration wants the U.S. carbon footprint to be at net zero by 2050. As part of that goal, the federal government is offering big incentives to remove carbon dioxide, including from ethanol plants. There are three major pipeline proposals that would capture CO2 from Midwest plants and store it underground. As Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus reports, while the industry is fully on board, others question the climate benefits. In Iowa, ethanol is huge. The state is the top corn producer, and half of Iowa's corn is used to make ethanol, mostly for gasoline fuel blends. The three companies proposing to capture CO2 from ethanol plants and pipe it out of the state say they'll lower ethanol's carbon emissions and help the farming economy. Iowa Renewable Fuels Association Executive Director Monty Shaw has dire warnings for the state's ethanol industry if the carbon pipeline projects don't happen here. If Iowa screws this up, we're in big trouble. We will absolutely lose a huge chunk of our industry and put the Iowa ag economy in a tailspin. California and some other states have fuel standards that are pushing ethanol to lower its carbon emissions. Shaw says the pipelines will help ethanol stay viable. But there's a lot of controversy over the pipelines, even among farmers. Jeff Rines grows corn and soybeans in northeast Iowa. Practically all of his corn goes to an ethanol plant you can see from his farm. Here we're directly west of the Shell Rock Poet ethanol plant, approximately a short mile away. Reince was skeptical when he first heard of the pipelines. Then he learned that the ethanol plant near his farm had signed onto one of the projects and a pipeline would cross part of his farm. This is some of the best farmland the good Lord has entrusted us with to be stewards of. And it's just a shame to think that just for private gain that they're going to put that scar across our land. Reince says pipeline companies are being heavily subsidized while farmers will lose productive ground. There are farmers across the Midwest who agree and oppose CO2 pipelines largely over property rights and safety concerns. That's bringing farmers and environmentalists together in an unusual alliance. Jess Mazur of the Iowa chapter of the Sierra Club argues carbon pipelines are not a real solution to climate change. There are tried and true ways to solve our climate crisis that are better uses of our public tax dollars than this questionable technology that you know puts risky pipelines in our backyards, that destroys farmland. The pipeline companies argue capturing carbon is important to getting the U.S. to net zero emissions. Navigator CO2 is proposing a pipeline network from South Dakota and Nebraska east to Illinois. Spokesperson Elizabeth Burns-Thompson says Navigator will capture 15 million metric tons of CO2 each year. We will not meet our goals if we don't institute a variety of tools and tactics carbon capture being one of those. Is it the golden key? No. But when partnered alongside other developments, investments, tools, technologies, that is how we make true progress and we do so in a quantifiable fashion. 
University of Minnesota engineering professor Jason Hill says yes, there may be some calculated reduction of CO2. But when you zoom out and look at the broader implications of pumping that carbon dioxide underground, the picture doesn't look so rosy. Hill says greenhouse gases will be used to move the CO2, and long term, these pipelines perpetuate using fuel for transportation. When in fact, we know that vehicle electrification using clean electricity sources or cleaner electricity sources can more quickly get us to our carbon reduction targets. Still, the Biden administration sees both electric vehicles and carbon capture as key to curb emissions. All three pipeline companies are working to get easements from landowners across the Midwest and state permits. I'm Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public newsrooms in the Midwest. Ashley Lizenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.